Welcome back to another episode of Stacking Denny's. I'm Jordan McAbee of Rotoballer, my co-host Nick Giffen of the Action Network. Chris Busher in victory lane gets his third win of the season at Daytona. Matches Martin Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch for the second most wins in the regular season. All of a sudden, we're talking about Chris Busher potentially being a championship contender this year. Uh, playoff field is set. Well, Bubba Wallace gets in on points, as we both expected. Um, and yeah, playoffs are, are set. William Byron, Martin Truex Jr. leading the way with 36 points to start round one. We start at Darlington next week for the for the first race of the round of 16. We got Kansas and then Bristol to round out that round or to, yeah, to round out that round. But Daytona, we got to talk that first because there was some, as you said, Busher in victory lane. There were some crazy wrecks. 91.1% said that that was a good race, which makes it a new track record in Jeff Gluck's poll for Daytona. Do you agree, Nick, that that was the best Daytona race that we've seen? No, I don't. But no. I think it was a good race. I just don't think it was the best one we've seen. The man, I, I understand track position. You know, if you have it, it, it it matters. But give me the days when you could just form a line and just make moves and and all that. It's so hard to pass here now. It's just you're stuck. You're you're pretty yeah. much stuck. Uh, and I don't I don't find that quite as fun. I thought it was a good race. I'm not complaining. I just wish it wasn't as hard to pass as it is now um some people like that i'm totally fine with that but i don't think it was the the best daytona race i've ever seen um it was good don't get me wrong it was a very good race it was competitive uh it wasn't a total shit show you know there were two major wrecks uh the the big one and then the priest wreck and and that was it so it was good hard racing uh but you know again there was another long period of single file racing uh it was Hard to pass at the front, hard to get track position. So yeah, it was it was fine. It was fine. Yeah, um, and I I think that's what kind of boosted that probably boosted the the poll is that is that priest wreck because of how crazy it was. Like that's all everyone was talking about, and like he was hospitalized mm-hmm. after it. I think he was released the next day, but um, it was definitely it was wild to see. Yeah, like I think he yeah. rolled what twelve times. I mean, it just was, it was t- insane. I, I counted it multiple times. It was not. More than ten plus that uh, he kind of rolled halfway backward at first and then rolled forward. And you got to count rotation, floor of the car to floor of the car. It was ten, uh, not yeah. counting the back halfway rotation. And then he came back forward. So ten full rotations plus the backward half rotation is is what he had. Hmm. Yeah. So I mean, I know a lot of people were, um, you know, saying how great these cars are for the safety. And obviously, we had Ryan Blaney go head first into the wall and. He appeared pretty shaken up after that. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a concussion, you know, after hitting the wall like that. But um, again, though, you know, this car and and a testament to the safety. But I tweeted out and I know like a lot of people came after me for for the physics of it. But wasn't this car supposed to not get airborne? Why? uh, It's not supposed to in if you just like are spinning on your own. But if you hit the grass or if you hit another car. That's yeah. kind of then, then it all gets... things out. So um, it's supposed to not get airborne. Like if you spin around or whatever, it's not supposed to catch air on its own if it's on pavement. Uh, but all bets are off if you suddenly hit grass, right? If that was paved and then just like uh, if that was paved and like painted green or whatever, he wouldn't have gotten airborne. But the fact that it happened right when that transition from pavement to grass or grass to pavement happened, that's what got it airborne. I mean, that's, we've seen that 
several times throughout multiple different racing series. That transition is bumpy. And when you get that bump, all of a sudden, if that air gets under the car, first of all, the bump could just flip you. But second off, the bump gets you a little airborne. The air can just push you over and there's nothing any car could do about it. That would defy the laws of physics to have cars that are able to prevent that at that speed. So, yeah, it's mm-hmm. it, the car is designed to not get airborne, but it's designed to not get airborne when it's just spinning. There aren't. Uh, yeah, and then the wheels are in contact with the ground. It's not designed to not get airborne when all of a sudden there's a bump or another car hits you. Yeah, uh, and that brings—I can't believe that this hasn't been a, more of a topic because I've been harping on this for a while. Why the hell is there grass at any of these tracks? I don't understand this at all. We saw the same Especially thing last Daytona. year. With Chris Busher, remember Chris Busher at Charlotte last year? Uh, he got into yeah. the grass, and as soon as he hit that like grate or whatever, it just flipped him. And it, it's the same thing. It was the same car, you know, the the next gen car. So. The only time we've really seen flips in this car, the only two I can think of, maybe there was another one I'm not thinking of, are Priest and, and Busher, and both of those were transition to grass or, or, or something. Logano, when was this? At Talladega. This year or last year? I think that was last year, wasn't it? I thought that was two years ago in the previous Was gen, it in the, the old car? car? I think so. I, for some reason, I was thinking that was in this car. No, I think that was the Gen 6 car. Um, I could be wrong, okay. but I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. Yeah, I could be. My my years just completely melt together. So I hear you. But uh, but yeah, Chris Busher. What do you think about that? He now has one, the second best average finish during the regular season this year, if you can believe that. And part of that is due to his consistency. He really only has, I think, two bad finishes all year. The rest are like 18th or better every single race. Uh, but three wins in at three different track types. Is Chris Busher? I know, like, we're not talking playoffs yet, but is Chris Busher a legitimate championship contender? Um, so real quick, I looked it up. Logano was twenty twenty one, so it was two years ago. Uh, so it's not okay. in this car. Uh, but Chris Busher for me is not a championship contender, and the reason is twofold. RFK has not been great at the the one and a half mile ovals. I won't say the intermediates because people classify intermediates differently, but I'll say the one and a half mile. Uh, your, your standard one and a half mile cookie cutter oval. So I'm not counting Homestead. I'm not counting like a Darlington, which is one and a third miles, but those are true egg-ish shaped ovals, uh, high tire where I'm talking your Kansas, Texas, Las Vegas. RFK has been outside the top 10 in speed in those, generally speaking. Yeah. And Bush are even further back than Keselowski. So that's point one. Point two, he's not good at Phoenix. He never has been. He doesn't have any good finishes at Phoenix. He has one career top 10 and it was 10th. So I can't see him beating the best of the best at Phoenix right now. And and look where Mm -hmm. his wins came. It it came at Michigan, Daytona, and then Richmond. But Richmond is not Phoenix. Richmond is super high tire where we saw Busher do really well at Richmond last year. And then Bristol, which, uh, and and Dover type tracks. Those are a little similar because they change a lot throughout the race. Phoenix doesn't. Phoenix is a lower tire wear track. It's much less susceptible to, to changes throughout the race, etc. cetera. Uh, so Busher just not good at Phoenix. One top 10 with RFK racing at Phoenix, and it was a 10th place finish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you there. I don't think he's – like he's 12 to 1 at some books for championship, which is just crazy to me. Like I threw – I think I threw five bucks on him, 40 to 1, after, after his Richmond win. Just, yeah. you know, just to – in in case you know maybe I get a cash out offer if he makes the round to eight or something, mm-hmm. but um, I will say it is it is pretty cool to see that team RFK the the turnaround that they've had you know because 
I I I, I was wrong. Like when when Keselowski bought into it, I said you're dumb. Like this is this is never going to get better. Like Roush has completely fallen off the map. But I don't know if it, it, when Keselowski retires and they get another young guy in there, we could be talking an RFK championship here soon because you know obviously Busher can win. Like I said, he has three wins in the in the regular season now, same as Kyle Busch and uh, Kyle Larson. I think has three wins or two wins. But um, but yeah. Um, anything you got anything else there from Daytona? Like to me, it's just you know regular season's over. It was pretty anticlimactic. Uh, outside of you know, I mean it was it pretty much went as expected. Even, we didn't get even that finish was so anticlimactic. Like Harvick wasn't really there to challenge for the win. Almarola really wasn't there to challenge for the win. Elliott Bowman, they were all up front, but they were never like at the front. So they're all just kind of there. It wasn't super dramatic even. So. Super anticlimactic uh, playoff ending for what was possible one or two, three races ago. Uh, just, uh, yeah, not not super, super uh, awesome. Not one of the best Daytona races we've ever seen. And this is the first Daytona cutoff race where more than 50% of the field finished on the lead lap. So uh, overall, a relatively tame race. And again, that's not a reason for me why it was a bad race. I don't it, Wrecks have nothing to do with the goodness or badness of a race for me. Uh, sure, they can help or hurt, I guess, a little bit, depending on the rest of the actual racing. But, uh, yeah, it was just kind of a, I don't know. I thought it was just kind of a a good but not great Daytona. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, with the playoff field that we have, I think this is going to shit. And, and how the points are laid out right now, I think this is going to shape up to be a very interesting, especially first round. And I know we'll get into into our hot takes here for the first round. I think we're going to see a couple of big names miss the second round uh, heading forward. Um, Very curious. When we talk about uh, that, you and I have not shared these with each other. So I'm Uh, definitely curious, but I I have a feeling we're going to be relatively on the same page. uh Uh-huh. So do I, it's just a gut feeling. um, It's just a gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I spent, I spent the last two days working up a a lengthy article for Roto baller. Um, just under 4,000 words, actually, talking about each driver's round one. Yeah, each each driver's round one um, and how they shape up. So I'm, I've done my research, and I think, I think I'm think i pretty I'm excited. Locked I'm in, excited but, to hear uh, I haven't done as much yeah. research as you have. I will admit that. It's NFL season uh, starting next week, and so I've been full NFL mode for Action Network. Uh, but I do have some, some pretty specific takes for who's not going to make it out of the first round. Yeah. We'll get to that soon, but first we need to do wine about it. And I know you said you didn't have a wine about it this week. Did you want to? I'm trying to figure out what there is to wine about. At least for me, uh, it was a it was a fine race. There was nothing, you know, super dramatic. I think everything happened as it should. Uh, overall, relatively clean race. Safe cars. Very glad about that. I don't have a lot to complain about. Um, I, you know, it was a really good regular season. It wasn't an amazing. Regular season, it wasn't the best season ever, uh, but it was a strong regular season. It was good, and I'm looking forward to, like you said, I, I think it's going to be an exciting playoffs. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, if you don't have anything, I'm going to crack open. I'm so excited to try this. I'm so I, excited I will say I, I do have the uh, the Grenache, the Livabella Grenache. It's a red wine. Gren- oh, sorry. Grenache Syrah Morverde. I, I, I don't know how to, I'm probably butchering how to say that, but... Uh, <laughs> I did have, as you saw, if you were watching on YouTube, some of that to begin with. So I'll at least do my pour since I don't have a wine about it this week. But got to do my pour. And, uh, 
you know, I guess shout outs to uh Mr. Mr. Malazi for uh yeah. all the all the good work he's done this year and I know Luvabella has been uh helping sponsor that along the way as well. Yeah. So I'm cracking open Passion. Dude, I love that. Orange, I'm already orange mimosa. You. I already love it. I'm biased orange mimosa. already. I love it. I love it. It's so good. This might Hopefully you're not biasing me too much because it, it could be like Chick-fil-A. Everybody talked up Chick-fil-A for me, and then now Dude, I'm I like, it's Chick-fil-A. average. Uh, yeah, it's I don't think it's In-N-Out, that great. Okay? I, I know I'm going to get flamed for this, but In-N-Out, In-N-Out is not good. It's not, it's I not love that. It's In-N-Out. fine. Like, it's fine. But Five Guys is way better. That stuff has so much more flavor. Dude, every time I go to In-N-Out, the buns are just dry as hell. They're like bone dry. Maybe it's because I live in Vegas. I don't know. But uh, not a not a big in and out guy. I'm, it's fine. I'll eat it. I'm not saying it's gross, but it's overrated. Five Guys is I, peak top so tier. Here's what I'm gonna have to do. I'm gonna have to try Five Guys because I've never had Five Guys. Shit. Next time we Ever. hang out, uh, I'll have to take you to one. I know there's a couple in Vegas, but they're they're all over and um, it's so yeah. good. Oh my god. Closest one to me, I think, is 45 minutes. So if I get there, I'll try it. But all right, here we go. Orange mimosa, passion orange mimosa. Let's go. I'm I don't I've only had mimosas like a couple times in my life, so. Come on. Come on. This is fucking delicious. <laughs> oh <laughs> my go. god. Let's no, go. I want to chug this whole bottle. Mhm. This is stupid. I made sure to save myself some for, you know, the next day because I had some. It wasn't this past weekend, but the weekend before watching the, the Cup and the IndyCar races. Um, so I made sure to save myself some for the next day because I didn't want to drink it all in one sitting. But I could. This tastes like orange juice. This tastes like orange juice. Like, you could, you could serve this Alcoholic at breakfast. Juice, yeah. Mm-hmm. You could and serve this at breakfast even know and nobody would know. They'd think it's, yeah, they'd think it's regular orange juice. It's so good, though. Oh, my God. That's a that's this might be my new favorite Luvabella wine. Yeah, it's it's I a didn't plus. like the, I didn't it's like the plus. punch. This is this is incredible. Holy For shit. For me, I this one's fine. Um it's obviously I like super acidic and uh I love Grenache. Uh I'm not sure if the other flavors, this the, the the types of wines, the Syrah and the more more verde, verdre, uh have done it less for me but it's not as good for me as God like damn. the cab that they have of the same brand um but uh still totally fine i would drink it no problem uh as a wine guy myself but oh and this one's 15 and a half percent alcohol sorry i hit the mic there for those of you listening on podcast form 15 and a half percent alcohol on this one so uh it packs a little punch this one's only 10 but um i could i could shotgun this entire bottle if i could shotgun glass bottles oh yeah oh yeah Okay, getting into wine about it here. Tweet from Freddie Kraft. This is going to be a weird wine about it, probably, because it just it triggered me, and I don't know why. Oh, baby, I haven't even. Seen but it this. was, it was after uh, when Bubba Wallace was getting interviewed, um, and it was a video that Jeff Gluck posted, and Freddie Kraft, which is Bubba Wallace's spotter. Uh, he he t- retweeted it or whatever it's called now and said, this is an awesome video from Jeff. The best part to me is Michael Jordan asking how Blaining was doing toward the end. Just goes to show how much he cares about this sport and the people in it. Why are we celebrating people for simply caring that someone didn't die in a wreck? What, 
this is the just basic human this this should be the bare yeah. minimum that you should expect yeah. from from humans and because it's michael jordan you're you're putting him on a pedestal and saying oh he really cares about this sport because he's checking if someone died or not literally every normal decent human in the world would care uh, about that it doesn't matter if you're the biggest celebrity in the world or joe schmo on the street right exactly i don't understand like oh this shows how such of a good person he is uh, no this shows that he's a, a he's normal like what is this and maybe i'm like taking this out of context maybe i'm reading it wrong but just maybe. goes to show how much he cares know. about this sport and the people in it. Why? Because he watched the race and saw that that there was a bad wreck with somebody. It, it'd be like asking if Ryan Priest is okay. I can't and, stand and Ryan I think, Priest. I was still I think, concerned if he was okay. I think both could be true. Like he could care about the sport, but it has nothing to do with the fact that it's because he at, it was trying to make sure Blaney was okay. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those weird yeah. things. Like just because he's concerned about someone's well-being isn't the reason he cares about the sport. Yeah. So I guess that's that's my whine about it. It's really quick. Let's stop. It is. But acting it, yeah, like... it, I agree with you. I I didn't see that, but I've that's my reaction is the same as yours. Like isn't it just a normal good human uh, like basic human decency. Yeah. Like imagine if a NASCAR driver was like, "Oh damn, I wish Blaney would have gotten hurt so I could make it further in the playoff." That would be like the biggest shittiest thing ever, but nobody does that cuz nobody wants to see Blaney get hurt. Nobody wants to see Ryan Priest get hurt. Nobody wants to see any single driver out there get hurt unless you're a piece of shit human yeah so so just to wrap up here let's stop putting people on pedestals and stop acting like they're better than others for having basic human decency because i understand there's a lot of shitty people in this world but this this ain't it that's that's just a weird take to me (laughs) weird take to me it's a weird take i agree with you um but yeah i know for real though like if you looked at those two wrecks, first of all, and let's talk about it. I, I don't really have a whine about it, um, but if I did, I guess it would be about people's reactions to the wrecks. Uh, not so much Blaney's, but Priest's. But Blaney's was, you know, he hit the wall. That that safer barrier flexed like it should. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any surprise there. Uh, absolutely massive hit. He did, you know, people reacted, did say he seemed like he was out of it or whatever afterward that's just how blaney talks half the time he's just like mm. eh, you know he, he's he's funny dry humor but kind of not bland in a way but like he's not like super expressive emotional man if you know what i mean but with priests people were i guess overreacting to the fact that the the escape hatch came off and they were like this is yeah. terrible i saw these takes on twitter this is terrible it's not if you follow Bozy Tatarevich on Twitter, he was basically like, yeah, this thing should have come off. Like, it's that's specifically how it's designed. And, like, look at IndyCars, right? They're, they've got uh, the, the arrow screen that comes up, the halo around them, but they're open-topped. I mean, they used to be just straight-up open, open face. Uh, all they had was the roll hoop and then the front of the car, and that linear uh, path between the car and the roll hoop is what kept their heads off the ground when they flipped. It's not like crazy unsafe that the roof flap or the air, you know, the escape hatch came off. That's what we want. We want a, the driver to be able to escape, right? Well, what if right. something flew in? Well, yeah, something could fly into these Indy cars and, and all that stuff, but it's not going to. What what would have flown in there? A chunk of grass? <laughs> I mean, like, right. what would have flown in there? You know, it, it's so it was just a little bit of a ridiculous overreaction. I'm glad Bozy uh, made that Twitter thread because uh, people. They're not engineers. They're they're 
keyboard warriors and uh you know it really wasn't aside from the fact that it was a hell hellacious spin and flip and, and nobody wants to go through that it's a testament to the safety of the cars the car did exactly as it's supposed to do um but the one thing i will say both with the blaney and the priest rex is as much as these cars and these and these safer barriers and all these other safety innovations hans devices etc are amazing we still can't take it for granted eventually something will happen to someone and it's gonna suck um yeah. but i'm glad those instances are much fewer and farther between yeah i forget i always forget was it brian is it brian murphy that used to work for mm-hmm. shr shr okay yeah. yeah he uh he he posted a thread of x's or whatever it's called now um about it and was basically like you know this is what this is what nascar does Something like this happens, they'll evaluate, they'll progress, and that's just how it's done. And yeah, unfortunately, some at one point something bad's probably going to happen, um, and you just can't get, you can't, can't totally prevent every crazy thing. It's just like you know when these tracks don't fully do the safer barriers all the way around the inside of the track, or or there's areas of the track. Eventually, someone's going to hit there. It happens every time, and you know what you do? You reevaluate, you progress, and you and you try to avoid it in the future but oh uh, yeah he had a he had a really good thread about the whole thing and and it was yeah but 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 it is you know those initial pictures of of the hatch being open and like oh this this car is the worst thing ever and then you know everyone has to chime in and be like actually this is what it's designed to do but you never hear that from anybody it's you know right right unless and, and, nbc and I mean, decides we did to see issues like last year we saw race. the concussion last year we saw the concussion issues right and mm-hmm. they learned from it they made it better I think maybe there's only been the Noah Gregson where he missed a race uh, because of concussion-like symptoms. But other than that, it's been a pretty clean year as far as injuries from the next-gen car. I think that's the only one, I would say, outside of maybe some bumps and bruises or something. But uh, right, good improvements. Got to keep going. But don't take it for granted. Eventually, you know, we saw it with Ryan Newman a few years ago in the, the Gen 6 car. Eventually, something is going to happen that is just that it physics happen and it, racing happens something crazy is going to happen and uh it is going to be uh not so good but i'm very very glad those not so good moments are much further and farther between right 100 agree so yeah that's going to wrap up this week's wine about it as always presented by luva bella winery get them you can get them shipped to you you can buy them in stores i know they're advancing their their lines and their availability in stores whenever this orange mimosa hits stores please go fucking buy it it is so good i'm not yeah this this is easily my new favorite wine i know i've been pimping out purple rain for a while this is amazing this is incredible Mm -hmm. but we have talked about i didn't bias him he legitimately jordan's not gonna bullshit you if he likes it he actually likes it yeah (laughs) Like I said last week, I tried the 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 punch. I did not like it. This tastes. You're like it's very... fine, and then you're like, actually, I'm gonna whine about this. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's it's not it. that fine. I don't like it very much. But but yeah, we got playoffs to talk about, which is oh yeah, exciting time of the year. We're down to ten races this season. Uh, round one starts this weekend at Darlington. We got Darlington, Kansas, Bristol to wrap up round one. Uh, Sixteen drivers are going to cut them down to twelve. Current cut line is right below Ryan Blaney. Right now below the cut line heading into race one, Michael McDowell, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Kevin Harvick, Bubba Wallace. They have seven points, five points, four points, and zero to start out. 
Blaney, Logano, Redick have eight points and nine points. Redick has nine. Logano, Blaney have eight. Kozlowski's sitting there at 10. Really the only guys that have a comfortable cushion right now. William Byron and Martin Truex Jr. have 36. Denny Hamlin has 25. Busher's decently comfortable at 21. Then you got Kyle Busch at 19. Larson only has 17, which could end up hurting him later in the rounds because that's not very many points. Christopher Bell sitting there with 14. Chastain with 11. And Kozlowski with 10. Um, let's get let's get right into this. Who are who? Okay, to me, this first round it, immediately Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. to me are out. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is having a great season, uh, doing better than expected, but he does not have the speed unless there is major attrition to get through this round. Neither does Michael McDowell. Michael McDowell is a mid twenties intermediate track car this season. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is typically a 20th place car, but he sneaks into the top 10 every once in a while. As we saw in, in Charlotte, he did have a top 10 car at Charlotte. I'm looking at Kansas. Darlington, same thing. He's not that great at Darlington. McDowell's not that great at Darlington. He did have a couple good runs last year. Do you agree that Michael McDowell and Ricky Stenhouse Jr., outside of some you know major wrecks, major mechanical issues from other drivers, are the easy chopping blocks in this first round? Michael McDowell, yes. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., no. Ooh. Ricky Stenhouse. Everybody forgets how good Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is at Bristol. I uh-huh. know he hasn't had the results lately, but they've all been DNFs. But this is a dude who legitimately has had shots to win Bristol over the years. He has uh, a fourth-place finish uh, a few years ago. He has uh, another fourth-place finish. He has a second-place finish at Bristol. Uh, th- and I'm not talking about dirt. I'm talking about the concrete track. This is one of his best, if not his best track. Bristol's a good track for him. And then let's look earlier this year at Darlington and Kansas, 12th and 13th mm-hmm. place finishes. If he's just able to replicate those, plus he has a, a Ricky Stenhouse Bristol, he is not out of this. I'm sorry, he is not out of this. Now, for me, Michael McDowell, He's out of it. I understand he had a good round here last year on these three same tracks, but they're not performing like they were last year. And I, I still don't did did they they don't made they didn't make it through last year, did they? Out of the first round, or did they? I can't remember. Um, I don't remember. Or oh wait, no, he wasn't in the playoffs last year. But uh, I I'm not sure if he would have made it out of the first round last year had he been in. But uh, you, you get my point. Like Michael McDowell not running as well as he was last year, and. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., these three tracks for him set up really well. He, remember, I keep talking about how good he's been at these one-and-a-half-mile tracks this year. Vegas, Kansas, Charlotte. The dude is always right on the cusp of a top ten, it seems. Um, the, he wasn't at Vegas this year, but you know he, he always has been, typically at Vegas in recent years with RFK Racing. And Kansas, obviously Charlotte finished seventh this year. He's not a top ten car, but he's a car that if he's – performs at the speed he's capable of, which is right around 15th, 16th, something like that, and keeps it clean, he is going to be right on the cusp of a top 10 at Kansas. Darlington, I think we can expect similar. A um, little more variance there for him, I would I would think, because Darlington hasn't traditionally been one of his strongest tracks, but he did have an 8th place last year, uh, a 13th place this year. So, you know, Darlington is certainly a track where he has some upside. And then Bristol, he seems like he's wrecked out of almost every single Bristol race when he's been with JTG. But I promise you, it's one of his best tracks. Yeah, so I was I was looking at, so even even though, yeah, like you said, Bristol has been tough for Stenhouse lately. 
But over six, 18 career starts, he has six top 10 finishes, which is a third of the time. Like, And, and remove so those that's... DNFs. Like, if, if he hadn't DNFed all those, uh, I'm sure there would be a few more. Now, Bristol's just a track that lends itself to DNFs. There's uh, a higher attrition rate and a more randomness at Bristol than at a lot of the other tracks, especially our intermediate tracks. So um, some of it could be bad luck for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as well. But this is legitimately one of his better tracks. So I, I pulled up iFantasy Race in his total speed ranking from Darlington earlier this year. Stenhouse was 10th, or he was inside the top 10. And like I said, he's shown top 10 speed at other intermediate tracks like uh, Charlotte earlier this year. My only issue with – with uh, so so my outlook on Stenhouse's round one is that his chances of advancing to round two are probably better than you think, but still not great. So that's kind of yeah, where I'm, I'm at I'm not even it. sure – I agree with that, but I'm not my, sure that it's immediate chopping block. Okay. Another yeah. thing that I don't like about Stenhouse is – He's not. He sucks at qualifying this year, which is going to affect him getting stage points, which are going to be key here in the playoffs. I agree with That's, that. Those are my arguments against Stenhouse. Do I think he has a chance to advance? Yes, I think it's higher than a lot of people think, but I'm still not. I'm I'm not putting him into the round of twelve. Heading into heading into this this round of sixteen. I'm not. I'm not telling you if I am yet or not. <laughs> I'm gonna keep that. But yeah, I think uh, we're on the. Si- close to the vest i think there. we're on this i think we're on the same page as mcdowell where it gets super interesting for me so i think byron's in truex is in hamlin's in busher i think is is decently solid to get in like you said they have struggled on speed and intermediates though but they can super like he won bristol last year yeah like totally Bush, fine track for him yeah, I think Kyle Busch is going to be strong. He's going to be good. Larson's going to be good. Christopher Bell's good. Chastain. Okay, here's – I'll give you my guys now that I picked between these guys for the four that aren't going to make it. And my sure one was Michael McDowell. My pretty sure was Stenhouse. So Chastain, Reddick, Blaney, McDowell, and Stenhouse. Those are the five that I have as the four – most likely to chop, get chopped. Interesting. I, I, I have somebody that's uh, pretty high up there that is not on your list. Uh, Who is it? The defending series champion, Joey Logano. Joey Logano. See, that yeah. we probably have similar thoughts, same as me with Blaney. I think we probably have similar thoughts there. Bristol's a terrible track for Logano. Blaney at least mm-hmm. is good at Bristol. Joey Logano's not good at Bristol. He hasn't been in years. I think his last good finish at Bristol was 2019 when he finished third yep. uh, in yep. the first Bristol race. But he's not good here. Hasn't and, had a top 10 since. Yeah. Darlington this year, he was running well, but he wasn't like a top competitor at Darlington. I know he won Darlington last year, had another good finish last year, et cetera. But uh, they're a little bit off this year, and they've been super off at the mile and a half. I mean, if you look – one and a half mile, or let's say intermediate track per iFantasy race, intermediate speed rankings, Logano is third worst. Other than McDowell and Stenhouse, it's Logano in worst. And similar for my flags metric, which I trust the most, Logano third worst in flags at the one and a half mile, like Kansas, Vegas, Texas style, Charlotte style tracks. So uh, of the playoff drivers, not third worst of the whole field, obviously third worst of the playoff drivers. So 
Logano is in my chopping block for the round of 16, uh, along with McDowell. Those are the two I'm giving you so far. Okay, I like that. I have similar so, – so the reason I like Logano more than Blaney is because Logano, second best average starting position in the series, which I think lends itself to getting better or more stage points. So I think he, he – He's. I think he's stronger at Darlington. He's a little bit stronger at Kansas than Blaney. And then obviously Blaney's stronger at Bristol, but he's not getting the results. Blaney, though. I'm not like even both sure these... Logano's stronger at, at Kansas than Blaney. You don't think so? I think that's just, I think that's just they're close. But, you know, uh, like earlier this year, Logano, he did win stage two, but that was a strategy play. So, uh, I can't really yeah. say that he's better than Blaney there at, at Kansas. And it worked out, but uh, I, I just think they have enough lack of speed at these one and a half miles. And Joey Logano is not good at Bristol. I think that more than makes up for it. We know Blaney's terrible at Darlington. Uh, but Blaney mm-hmm. is good at Bristol, and he's he's fine at Kansas. But you're right. Blaney is in my consideration. Uh, I'm just saying if I compare Blaney and Logano, I, I definitely have Logano on my chopping block versus Blaney. Versus Blaney. See, I'm the opposite there. I got it's Blaney or it's Logano Blaney for me. But yeah, I think I think we have similar. You know, Penske's just not there this year. Like, and we saw that at at, all the way back at Phoenix this year. They've been off ever since. Um, What do you think of guys getting a little getting away from Penske here? What do you think of guys like I think? Okay, my my four out: Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell. I don't think I don't think Chastain finds the speed. I think Blaney lacks the speed, and these tracks don't set up well for him. But I'd also consider Tyler Reddick because of his inconsistency. But I think he ends up getting it done and advances to the round of 12. Yeah, I think these tracks are good for Tyler Reddick. Plus, you know one thing you and I both like to look at, we've talked about this year after year, is green flag speed rankings after the playoffs. Tyler Reddick mm-hmm. sixth in, in average rank in green flag speed this year so uh it's hard for me to cut him certainly the inconsistency sucks i mean he had from gateway through atlanta five races where he didn't finish better than 27th that's a lot of inconsistency Mm -hmm. but i think these tracks should be fine for him uh really good at these so tyler rank is through for me i kind of figured you're gonna go with ross chastain this is a very similar situation with Tyler Reddick where these tracks are very strong for Ross Chastain. He's great at yeah. Bristol. Uh, he is great at Darlington. And he's been totally good at these one-and-a-half-mile tracks. But you're right, Trackhouse has been down. So it's going to be, will Ross Chastain be consistent? Does he take care of his equipment? Uh, or is he too aggressive? Does he fuck shit up uh, and is unable to make it up because the car hasn't been as fast? I actually think Tamer Ross Chastain, based off of everything that's happened earlier this year, you know, Rick Hendrick getting mad at him over the Larson incident at Darlington earlier this year, plays into his favor. Uh, and he should be more consistent, even if he's not as fast as he was last year. And I think Ross Chastain gets through by the skin of his teeth. But so who, who I, I agree with out? you. That, this one was a very tough one for me. So only right now, only I've given you Michael McDowell, Joey Logano. The next one I will give you is, drumroll please, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Unfortunately, I don't think he makes it through, <laughs> but I actually think he finishes ahead of Joey Logano. I think he's closer to the cut line than Joey Logano. So uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is my next out. 
And that leaves for me, it comes down to Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney, mm-hmm. Brad Keselowski, Kyle Busch, and Christopher Busher. Those are the five I'm considering. So everybody else is safe for me. Uh, I have everybody else safe. So it comes down to Bubba Wallace, Ryan Blaney. Uh, oh, I, I missed Kevin Harvick, but he's safe I because say, I missed we're, him. <laughs> we're both, yeah, we're both pretty, uh, he's, I was going to say safe. we're both pretty safe on Harvick, even though he only has four points. I, yeah, I'm, I'm lukewarm on Harvick, but he's just Kevin Harvick. Like, I can yeah. definitely see him being out. Uh, so Bubba, Blaney, uh, Keselowski, uh, Kyle Busch, and Chris Buescher. So those are the five I'm considering. Now, obviously Kyle Busch, Chris Buescher have a nice points advantage over the bottom portion of the standings. So 19, 21 points over Bubba Wallace is not insignificant. But Bubba Wallace, very good at Darlington. Bubba Wallace, really good at Kansas. Very good at Kansas. Really good at Kansas. Like, race-winning potential at Kansas every race, basically. Uh, The last three Kansas races. So, for me, the question is, uh, do any of these guys win a race? Or does Bubba Wallace win a race? Mm -hmm. And as much as I love Bubba Wallace, as much as I think he's good... It's a lot to ask to win a race. It's not the easiest yeah. thing in the world. He pretty much for me, he has to win Kansas to get in uh, and avoid problems. And Bubba Wallace has been very consistent. I mean, look at his last uh, you know seven results. Nothing worse than 18th, uh, but also nothing better than eighth. So I just am not quite there with Bubba Wallace. I, I understand Darlington. You know, he finished well at earlier this year. But it hasn't always been one of his best tracks. Um, so for me, Bubba Wallace, not quite going to get in. Uh, I don't know about Bristol for him either, right? Like, it's one of those tracks where, sure, you can have a good day if, if everybody else has a bad day. But uh, right. I'm going to eliminate Bubba Wallace. I know I'm going get, to get hate for it. Uh, but it's just a tall order to overcome uh, everything that everybody else has going for them. But I do like Bubba Wallace this round. And I think he is right there uh, in terms of, you know, if if, if Busher or, or Kyle Bush or Blaney or, uh, you know, anybody else has a bad day, I think Bubba Wallace is right there. Yeah, this is my – This is yeah. my – this is my word for word on Bubba Wallace and his chances of advancing to round two. 50-50. Bubba Wallace and his team cannot afford to make a single mistake in this first round of the playoffs if they want to advance to the round of 12. If he struggles out of the gate at Darlington, he may have to win at Kansas again to have a real shot at the second round. Agree. And that's where – but I think agree. I think they're going to – I think Wallace has is going to have good speed at Darlington, good speed at Kansas, and then just need to finish top 15 at Bristol and, and he gets in. So – I do think I Bubba Wallace gets in, but I could I could definitely see him not. You know, well, that's obviously, the point. Like start- when it's a when it's a coin flip for me, and all these other guys are a little bit better than a coin flip for me. Uh, yeah. that's where. And I like I said, I think Bubba Wallace is fighting tooth and nail for the points battle. Uh, even if he just gets like the results we expect from him at Darlington, Kansas, and Bristol, I think he's fighting tooth and nail for the points battle. Uh, so, be interesting to see. But uh, I'm rooting for him. I want him to obviously make it as far as possible uh, because I, I think, you know, the next round after that sets up well from him for him from a Texas and Talladega standpoint. I don't think the Roval obviously is is a, a strength for him, but I think Texas and Talladega are solid enough where he could 
potentially win Talladega or at least, uh, you know, points really well at Texas and Talladega to the point where the Roval may be a formality for him as long as he doesn't have an atrocious day that he could make the round of eight. Like Bubba Wallace could make the round of eight for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be it's, it's going to be interesting. But um, here's a question for you. Um, I don't think th- I don't think there's a question of if a non-playoff driver wins. How many races do you think non-playoff drivers win this postseason? Because obviously we have Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Ty Gibbs. I mean, Ty Gibbs could win a race this year. Cindric Almendinger could win at the Roval. Suarez, Suarez could, could, could could yeah. How many Amarola races do you think win. of this? I mean, any of these drivers could win at Talladega. Uh, right. And I, I don't remember the, the number last year. I think the real it was the first three races were all won by non-playoff drivers. Darlington was won by Eric Jones. Uh, Kansas won by Bubba Wallace. And Bristol was won by Chris Buescher. None of them were in the playoffs. But after that, it was playoff yeah. drivers winning, I believe, every single other race. Uh, but I think the expectation is probably one, right? We can say potentially at Talladega and then a smattering of a chance everywhere else. Uh, but I guess having Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott outside of the playoffs increases that. So I think the over-under would be like one and a half. Uh, I would I would lean towards the under just because I don't think Alex Bowman is, uh, you know, a, a multi-time winner every year, all the time. Sure, he can win races, right? Like he, he won uh, a race last year at Las Vegas, but only won one race last year. Uh, of course, he, he missed five races, but still, we get the point. Uh, so I would set one and a half as the line for race winners outside of the playoffs. And I would, you know, make it like minus minus one fifty towards the under. I agree with that. I think it's, it's easy to say, you know, Oh, we're going to get a, and obviously after the first round last year, but here's the thing. If you remember back to the first Darlington race, the playoff Darlington race last year, Toyota's had mechanical issues. Kevin Harvick, who could have won that race started on fire. Like, Yes, Eric Jones is really good at Darlington. Yes, he won the race legitimately, but there was a lot of shit that happened. I think Chase Elliott blew up in that race. Like there was a lot of shit that happened in that race for him to go to victory lane. So um, I don't think we see that something like that happen again. But so it's certainly it's possible. It's funny. I'm looking at it. Last year, the first three races were won by non-playoff drivers. The fourth race was won by a driver that made the playoffs but was eliminated. Tyler Reddick. See, I would count then, that as a non-playoff driver. Okay, see, I don't. I, I mean, I count that as a. I was, I was saying, see, that's yeah, different from the beginning. I would, okay, yeah, if, yeah, if that's that's, your that's completely different. Then the line is two and a half with maybe minus yeah. one fifty to the under, um, because that's different. I don't count that as a non-playoff driver. I count that as a driver that made the playoffs because he did. Um, but Kyle Larson also won at Homestead, and he was no longer in the playoffs. Uh, so there were five. If you use that definition last year. Um, if we use that definition, I would change the line to two and a half uh, with maybe not minus 150. I'd say maybe two and a half minus 110 on each side. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's definitely how you how you interpret it and how you, you know, count it um, when it comes to that. That's yeah. that's how I would I would count it is if they're eliminated, they're a non-playoff driver. So, and obviously, you know, as, as the season goes on, as the postseason goes on, more likely to have not quote unquote non playoff drivers win races. But I'm I'm curious what odds you would set on 
the final four, one of the drivers winning Phoenix? Yes, minus 300. No, plus 275. I actually think it's more like minus uh, 500. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know they get that that extra boost or whatever, and there's never been a driver that uh, won the championship without winning the championship race since, what, mm-hmm. 2015, 2014? Yeah. Whenever the, 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 the format started, so... That's like nine. That's almost a decade. That if if it happens this year, it'll be a full decade because it started in 2014 with Kevin Harvick uh, over uh, Ryan Newman. I almost said Ryan uh, Blaney, but uh, Kevin Harvick over Ryan Newman in 2014. The only way I could possibly see that happening would be is if like two big, two or more big underdogs made it to the final four, and then the actual Busher championship winner was four. just. <laughs> Was yeah, and the actual championship winner was just out there coasting, and someone like William Byron or Kyle Larson was not in for the championship, but they just have the fastest car, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's how I Makes could sense. see it happening. Or you know, Kevin Harvick gets one last win at Phoenix before he rides off into the sunset. I could see that happening too. I definitely could see that. Yeah, yeah. But okay, here's a question for you: which which top driver? Uh. I'll let you. I'll let you uh, determine which drivers I mean by this. Is we both have a set that we think are pretty much locked into the next round, barring catastrophic failures. Mm-hmm. Which one do you think is most susceptible to those catastrophic failures happening? Uh it's really tough to say. Uh, I think Kyle Busch has always been susceptible to catastrophic failures. He's also susceptible to really consistent stretches. But I would say, you know, his team's a little bit smaller. Uh, and he has had three wins, um, which has been great. But there's been a lot of struggle days as well. Uh, and I think that's always been the theme with him. There, there's just times, and we hear him, I've, I remember years and years and years of this, just hear him on the radio, like, this car is shit, it's terrible. And he just, just absolutely struggles with it and wrecks and whatever and spins out. I think we'll see a few of those. So I think Kyle Busch is the most susceptible big name to failure. It's hard for me to go against that. Uh, and definitely like, I don't think we can fully trust RCR, you know, and I think, yeah. you know, now that they'll, they can focus on one car, they can put all their effort toward Kyle Busch, but he has been super inconsistent this year in terms of speed. There have been weeks that they have just came off the truck and been complete dog shit. And you mm-hmm. can't have that happen in the playoffs. The other guy that I, that I think could possibly that I would consider a top guy. So the guys I'm considering the top guys are Byron Truex, Hamlin, Kyle Bush, Kyle Larson, Christopher bell. Those yeah, are my top six, literally the exact same ones I considered. And I would, I would throw Christopher bell in there. Uh, as a, as a possible, just because he doesn't, he, 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 he struggles to get the top five finishes and, you know, is typically mm-hmm. just in that top 10 range and, and can be susceptible to mistakes or just random. The, the pit um, crew swap definitely helps him. Uh, it, it helps him big time. So if mm-hmm. you miss the news. Uh, if you're listening, you miss the news. Christopher Bell is getting Ty Gibbs pit crew and Ty Gibbs pit crew. Uh, or, and Bell's pit crew is going over to Ty Gibbs. So straight swap there between those Joe Gibbs racing teammates. And I did some analysis on it. Uh, I adjusted for the track and for the 
number of tires and for the, the conditions, whether it's green or yellow, et cetera, uh, because all those things matter in terms of the speed of the stop, right? Sudden tracks, it's a lot easier to have a fast stop because the pit boxes are bigger, wider, less crowding, et cetera, and some tracks are harder. So if you adjust for the track, if you adjust for the number of tires, if you adjust for green or yellow, et cetera, uh, because there's certain instances where like only four cars are pitting under yellow. You don't need to be like crazy fast or, or whatever. Just for all that, Ty Gibbs's crew was a third of a second faster than Christopher Bell uh, per stop. And that's just as an average time. That's not nothing. God. Three is not nothing. But that's, that's average. Yeah. That's average. The real thing is if I look at something called a failure rate, Christopher Bell's crew is anywhere from like – four or five percent more failure to 16 percent more failure depending on how you define failure so failures are what really hurts right uh failure is like you all of a sudden you're at the back of the pack or you've lost 10 spots or 15 spots on pit road uh seven eight spots that that's a lot harder to overcome than maybe a yeah a third of a second maybe i lost two or three spots uh and christopher bell's crew was which is now ty gibbs crew had a I would say around a seven to twelve percent higher failure rate. Uh, I looked at a bunch of different failure rate metrics, and they came in anywhere from like, like I said, like five percent to about sixteen percent. So we'll just take around the midpoint there. Let's say around a ten percent failure rate. Uh, that's not insignificant when we have forty plus pit stops the rest of this year. Uh, forty mm-hmm. to fifty pit stops, I would estimate the rest of the year. That's four or five. Uh, potentially extra failures, which is not good. So uh, I think that's a huge upgrade for Christopher Bell because a lot of his struggles came from being put mid-pack by his team uh, or put a lap down because of his team making a mistake on the green and him having to make it up. Uh, and I think that's a big help. So here's a question for you. I've been saying that a lot lately. Um, how does this, how do we, does, do we have to negatively adjust Ty Gibbs now? And his expected yes. results yeah. coming up because Absolutely. of this. It, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I don't know if you were going to get to this, but I was going to ask you who wins the 16th or sorry, the 17th place battle, because I think there's four, maybe five realistic drivers that could win it. Suarez, Ty Gibbs, uh, obviously are leading in the points uh, for 17th place. And then obviously I think we have to factor in Bowman and Elliott simply because they missed races and probably would be ahead of those guys in points uh, had they not missed races, but they're quite a distance back. And then AJ Allmendinger is tied with Chase Elliott, so we can kind of throw him in there. But do we really think AJ Allmendinger is going to be better than Chase Elliott the rest of the year now? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and I can pretty much guarantee that you're not going to agree with me, but I'm going to say Chase Elliott wins it. despite being 47 points back right now. I guess it's not don't really that disagree. far out on a limb. I think, yeah, I wouldn't say it's out that far on a limb. You know, I think if Trackhouse were running better, I would say it was a bigger limb. But Trackhouse hasn't mm-hmm. been running well lately. Uh, obviously, we I think it comes Gibbs. down to Gibbs and Elliott. Obviously, with the Ty Gibbs-Pitt crew deal. I actually don't. I don't think it comes down to Gibbs and Elliott. You think Suarez is in there? To Bo- I think it comes down to Bowman and Elliott. Okay. I can. I mean, yeah, uh, you can definitely see that. <laughs> I think it comes down to Bowman and Elliott. Um, but uh, you know, Ty Gibbs has definitely been running better. And funny enough, 
if we use that green flag speed rank metric that we talked about for the year, Ty Gibbs is eighth, which mm-hmm. surprised the hell out of me. But Alex Bowman's seventh, and Chase Elliott's ninth. Now, it obviously depends maybe on what specific races Bowman and Elliott missed. Maybe it's a little different depending on which tracks each are better at or worse at or Hendrick is better or worse at. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that's very interesting. Daniel Suarez, 15th. Uh, one other thing I did want to point out when I was making my Bubba Wallace point, why I don't think he's going to advance. Bubba Wallace is 18th overall in green flag speed ranking this year. Mm. The only two behind him in playoffs are Ricky Stenhouse Jr. and Michael McDowell. There are four drivers ahead of him that are outside of the playoffs. That includes Daniel Suarez, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and Ty Gibbs. So that's another reason for me where Bubba Wallace just, even though he's been good, he hasn't been the fastest. Uh, So that's another reason for me to kind of just, Bubba Wallace really, like he needs Kansas. He needs it. He's, I really doubt he wins Darlington. I think he's, you know, my model's higher on him. Then the win, prob- his opening win probability, whatever his opening line was, I think it was like 30 to one or something. My model was higher on that, but it's still only, you know, like 22 and a half, 23 to one, whatever it is. I can't remember. Um, I briefly ran a win probability model, but I didn't run my full model yet because it's been NFL week. But uh, I, it's still a long shot for Boho Wallace to win Darlington. Definitely has a better chance at Kansas, maybe more like a uh, 7% chance to win at Kansas, 6-7 if I were to ballpark guess without running a model. But that's still a long way to go. So if we look at green flag speed this year, average rank, that's another reason for me to keep up out. But back to the point, um, I think it comes down to Bowman and Chase Elliott, actually, for 17th place. But I will give it to Chase Elliott. Yeah, I, I think Chase Elliott's going to wrap it up. And I, 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 I'm never going to pick Daniel Suarez, <laughs> just no. based on principle. But going back to when we were talking about big guys or, or the top guys that could miss out on uh, – could have an early exit these playoffs i think we missed talking about one and i know it's because he's been the fastest car all year uh ranks number one in green flag speed i think he's second in average running position he also is second highest in dnfs this year and he only has 17 points to start this round that's kyle larson what would you do you think there's any chance i mean obviously there's a chance do you think that would you be surprised if kyle larson misses the round of 12 this year just based on six dnfs in the first 26 races look at those dnfs and only and only those 17 points drafting track drafting track dirt race drafting track drafting track (laughs) and then charlotte which is the longest race of the year so i i'm not really on that dnf train of kyle larson because there's only one drafting track the rest of the year there's no dirt races And there's no 600-mile races. Uh, So I'm not there on the DNF train with Kyle Larson. And he's so good. He's so fast. Uh, And it's a different beast in the playoffs. You know, in the regular season, once you got your win in the bag in the regular season, it's okay if you get DNFs because you're going for the win. It's going to be much – unless he gets – you know, obviously if he grabs a win, it's a different story. But uh, then he's through anyway. But it's going to be about consistency, consistency at this point. Uh, and, and remember, his DNF at Charlotte came on lap 377, which, you know, 377 times 1.5. He ran 565 miles in that race, uh, which would have finished every other race this year. So let's just put that out there. Uh, so, you know, really for me, Kyle Larson has no DNFs this year. 
if we want to be real about playoff tracks. Uh, I guess maybe Talladega. <laughs> Just realized my mic was muted. But yeah, I get that. And that's, you know, it's one of those things that's easy. It's an easy statistic to, to bring up and, and without fully analyzing it. But I think one thing that it does, and you know I don't like making championship future bets, but Kyle Larson's sitting there at 7-1. to one, And it's hard for me not to hit that. Being the fastest car all year, he could have five, six wins this year. And we'd be talking a completely different story. Round one sets up so good for him. Obviously, yeah. Round one's great for him. Yeah. Like, round I just two, don't I see. Round two, I think, is his biggest threat. Round two is his biggest threat. Even with Martinsville in round three, round two is his biggest threat because Texas, you know, the, Joe, Joe Gibbs racing cars have been so fast and the other Hendrick cars have been so fast. Talladega, I mean, he's never won a super speedway. And the Roval, he has not been quite as good at the road courses this year as he's been in years past. Yeah. And part of that is Hendrick overall just getting worse, even though, you know, William Byron did just win uh, our most recent road course race. Overall, Hendrick has been a little bit down compared to last year. So I think round two is the round that sets up the worst for him. If he can survive that, certainly is a shot to win. But only reason I'm not betting, and I'm with you, I think the value is is maybe right there. Only reason I'm not is because I have William Byron 16-1, Martin Truex Jr. 14-1 preseason, and I got Christopher Bell 14-1 a couple weeks ago. So I don't really feel like I have a need to bet any other championship futures unless something is egregious for the rest of the year. Yeah. Whereas I don't have any, so right. I just, you know, sitting there at seven, I'm like, man, you know my rule when it comes to the fastest car all year and, and, and books start getting down on him, especially now. I mean, we're literally just starting the playoffs. There's no reason to be down on Kyle Larson. I think the only person that can challenge him if he makes it to Phoenix is William Byron. And it, and if those two, if, if it's those two at Phoenix, then I think it, it comes down to those two. So, um, yeah. I, I, that's one, that's one bet I'm definitely considering. I'll probably end up putting it in there as, as Larson championship seven to one, but, um, you ready to talk about Darlington this weekend? Let's do it. Let's go. Um, uh, just to wrap up for those that weren't paying full attention or skipped around here. First four out for me in round one of the playoffs are Ross Chastain, Ryan Blaney, Ricky Stenhouse, Jr. Michael McDowell. First four out for Rotodoc, Joey Logano, Bubba Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell. Now, let now, us let's know put your... those in order. Let's put those in order. Bubba uh... Wallace, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Joey Logano, Michael McDowell. Okay, I'll put, those, I'll put that, them in I order. I think we should do order as well. Like Maybe, maybe we've got to come oh, up with okay. a format for the order or something. Okay, so I'm going to put Chastain at the very bottom. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, give me uh, – I'm going to go in order Blaney, Chastain, Stenhouse, McDowell. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, champ, or Darlington, first race this year was the infamous Ross Chastain issue where he got scolded by Rick Hendrick, ended up being William Byron in victory lane. By the way, I think he's available at 8.5 to 1 in some books this weekend to, to double up this year. Um, obviously we know the first pit stall at Darlington is one of the most advantageous pit stalls in all of the cup series on the schedule. Uh, he Lars or Byron won the pole earlier this year has been blazing fast and qualifying all year. 
Um, as far as track history here, uh, Denny Hamlin has four wins. Kevin Harvick has three. Truex has two. Eric Jones has two. Byron has one. Kyle Busch, Logano, Keselowski all have one. Surprisingly, Kyle Larson has yet to win here in the Cup Series, just like it took him forever to win here in oh, the Xfinity yeah. Series. Yeah. But he is always a true contender here. Probably could have won the race earlier this year if his issue with Chastain did not happen. From 2018 to 2021, he finished third, second, second, and second here at Darlington. Uh, betting odds, as far as sports books go, I believe they're all unanimous this week when it comes to having Truex as the favorite. Um, do you agree with that? Do you think Truex is definitely the guy to beat this week, or do you think that they're maybe undervaluing guys like William Byron? Like I said, he's at plus 850. Kyle Larson you can get, I believe, at plus 550, maybe plus 600 in some places. Uh, and then obviously we have Hamlin and then Chastain, who has been super fast here in this next-gen car. But I just – I'm a little leery because that team has not had the speed. Oh. oh. That he has some yep. So he's the favorite for me. He's my model's favorite. He's my favorite. I love Kyle Larson at Darlington. It hasn't worked out. He's had some wrecks. You know, I remember last year he he wrecked. He had an issue. Went back through the field. Came back through the field. Spun out like over rev the engine spinning out or some weird shit. Like the dude is so good here. And it's funny you mentioned he only uh, he's never won at Darlington in the Cup Series. He only has one win at Homestead, another track that he just flat out dominates. Time after yeah. time. Only one win. Uh, but uh, he's he's the favorite. I agree Truex should be second. And I agree Hamlin and Byron should be tied, let's say, third. Uh, and I agree Ross Chastain should be fifth. I do. He's fucking good here. He is so good here. You look at the Xfinity series, amazing here. Uh, you look at the truck series, amazing here. You know, I don't, I don't remember if he's running truck races here or not. But you get, I remember when I looked at his stats – I don't have him in front of me. He was just dominant here everywhere. Uh, if not dominating the race, at least in contention and often in inferior equipment. So I understand that team has been down, but I agree with the fact that he is fifth in mm. the odds. Uh, so I agree with that, even considering current form. So it's kind of a week where I'm not really betting. Uh, I'm not jumping yep. to bet. I think it will come from most likely those top four. Maybe Ross, maybe Bell, maybe Kyle Busch, maybe Tyler Reddick. I don't really see it with uh, Kevin Harvick, even though I think he'll be good here because he always is. You know, I don't see him being a dominant leader, whatever. Certainly, I think 16 to 1 is probably a little flattering for him. Uh, Keselowski, same thing. 16 to 1, I think, is a little flattering. Chase Elliott. your boy, Denny. Chase Elliott, 20 to 1. Well, so that's what I'm saying. So Denny is in in those four, top four. Like, I think that's okay. fair. Um, okay. Eight and a half to 1, I have value on Denny Hamlin. I have value on him at 8 to 1. I have eight, value on him at 8 and a half to 1 as well uh, at BetMGM. And uh, spoiler alert, right? I'm, I'm recording Running Hot tomorrow morning. Uh, so you and I are recording this Wednesday evening because uh, we didn't record it on a normal Tuesday. So Running Hot and Stacking Daniels will probably be coming out if not around the same time, I would say, you know, stacking Denny's a few hours before running hot. Spoiler alert. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, if if that's still eight and a half tomorrow when I record running hot, I will be giving Denny Hamlin out eight and a half to one as a pick. <laughs> so. I like it. Uh, yeah. But that's a big if, right? Like, uh, obviously, odds will move overnight, etc. 
Um, but I do like that. But honestly, I think the odds board is super fair. Uh, the the one thing I will say, Chase Elliott twenty to one at Bet Rivers, kind of interesting. Really, you like that? Kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's thirteen to one at Bet MGM. He's twenty to one at Bet Rivers. Uh that's the same as Ryan Blaney. Same as uh, even longer than Joey Logano's longest odds, which are eighteen to one. I think he's as good or better than both of those. Obviously, definitely better than Blaney here. Um, but uh, this is a good track for Logano-ish. I wouldn't say it's a great track, but it's a good track. Uh, but that team has definitely struggled this year. I think twenty is interesting on Chase Elliott. Uh, I don't know. Um, tough to say, but uh, I've made no bets so far. Man, um, let's look at let's look I'm at look- COVID year twenty twenty. He finished fourth at Darlington in that first race. Obviously, he uh, was going for the win in the second race, and he got wrecked out by Kyle Busch. So he has the potential to win at Darlington for sure. Excuse me for sure. I agree with you 100%. I'm, I've been looking at, I've been trying to see what kind of odds uh, some of these lesser known books have. Uh, Tipico also has Hamlin at plus 850, but they have Larson at 600. And I think I'm like going to hit that. I think I'm going to, I think I'm locking that in right now. Um, Just hard for me to pass up his best track, how fast that car is, playoff starting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you have to, I'm putting have to that Google in. what states Tipico is in. No, I can't drive over the border to Arizona. I don't think they're in Arizona yet. Yeah. I, if, if they were in Arizona, I would drive straight across the damn border to, to Arizona and bet them. But I don't think I see them in Arizona. Based off my quick Google search. I've never uh I've never heard of this sports book, but they have really good odds on top tens. Typically have really good odds on top tens and 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 sometimes wins. So I was just I just had this conversation with one of my friends the other day, uh texted me and like uh having issues with FanDuel, you know, what book would you recommend? And I I literally sent a screenshot of all twenty sports books apps on my phone. I'm like, all of them. Like <laughs> Yeah, like, just Take 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 advantage of all the welcome offers and also uh, just search around for odds. Take take an extra ten minutes to to get your best odds. Speaking of Fanduel, man, I'm kind of pissed. They just stopped doing like st- starting position. Yeah, they gave up. And they had like zero to ten or one to ten and eleven to twenty, all that shit. Or like um, driver to win two plus stages, one you know two plus stages or whatever. Like the fuck. Why did you, and, and then all of a sudden they signed this deal with NASCAR, but they've cut their offerings back. Yeah. Yeah. What is going on there? I, like that. And, and that was going to be me my, wrong. I mean, my it. buddy, my buddy, Jim Sonis, he, he works for FanDuel and I, I don't think he works for the sports book side. I think he's uh, just an employee of FanDuel, but like it, it, I am biased towards, toward FanDuel because of him. Like I like FanDuel. I think they have a great app, a great product, but their NASCAR offerings are just not there right now. And it's frustrating. I think it's another example. That was actually going to be my wine about it. Another example of NASCAR partnering with shit that doesn't make sense or NASCAR doing shit that doesn't make sense. None of these sports books have shown that they give a fuck about NASCAR. So why are you officially partnering with them unless you're deaf? 
yeah, but I hate Caesar's app. Like I hate that app. <laughs> oh, oh, I agree. With you. I'm <laughs> just saying they actually at least have shown that they give a fuck, right? Like they offer yeah. the most unique markets. They always post them. They're right on time. You know, they, Caesar's is very they also reliable. Have awful odds outside of of course long they have shots. terrible odds. Um, yeah. but uh, but yeah, I mean, if if we want to talk about places offering good, uh, you know, at least a lot of bets and. I will say Caesars has terrible odds in the main markets. They have really good odds sometimes, like top tens or top Toyotas or random groups. You know, they'll have like a yeah. four car group and they'll have one driver like sixteen to one when that should just like never be the case. Yeah, out, outrights are the favorites, especially are just ridiculous. But you can typically get value. You know, some of those longer shots like this week, Kevin Harvick. He's the longest he's at is Bet Rivers and Caesars at sixteen to one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, and that's the same yeah, thing with uh, Chase Elliott, right? Like he's uh, he's twenty to one at Bet Rivers. Let me see what he's at uh, Caesars. I need to scroll through here. Uh, Sixteen to one at Caesars, right? So uh, thirteen to one at Bet MGM. So <laughs> very interesting. Like Chase Elliott's all over the place on these odd boards, but uh, no. Overall, like if we're just making that Caesars point, like at least they give a fuck, right? Right. At least more than well, and then like we had DraftKings what last week or no? It was the week before. Just randomly offering top ten odds again. Just you know, haven't offered them in three months. We're gonna throw them out for uh, what race was it? They two did weeks ago. offer them one race earlier this year, and it was like maybe a month or two prior to the this past weekend. But there was one other race they offered them. I think it was like two months ago, but I forget which race it was, and it, it was atrocious. So yeah, but uh, I think. I think top tens are back again this week. Let me go over to DraftKings real quick. Cup series. Yeah, they have top tens again this week. Okay. Yeah, the I other thing want, I like about I Caesars want... is I can actually get like very large bets down there if I want to. Um, mm. <laughs> you know, it's a lot easier. Like Vegas, you can get large bets anywhere, but if I want to go out of state to Arizona or whatever, I can get still get large bets down at Caesars instead of being, you know, restricted to, to peanuts like Bet Rivers. Mm. Yeah, I. Uh, that's another reason I like uh, Tipico. They haven't limited me yet. Betfred mm-hmm. limited me pretty much immediately. Um, so it is what it is, though. Yep. Got to deal with it, I guess. That's um, uh, the sports betting world we live in these days, unfortunately. Both fortunately and unfortunately, because there's a lot more options, but... Uh, those options are often quick to limit. But honestly, I think Caesars, aside from their, like you said, their crappy app and their crappy lines on, like, the main market, you can get a lot of good lines on these alternate markets, and you can get bets down. Uh, so I like that a lot. Here's a guy, 14-1 to 1 right now, um, finished second and third here last year. Is it a Toyota this year? What about Tyler Reddick? I know you mentioned you liked Harvick sitting there at sixteen to one. But how do you like Reddick sitting there at fourteen to one? I don't think I like Harvick at sixteen to one. I was like, eh, with him. Reddick well, at fourteen. Well, you thought it was gen- is... generous for Harvick because he did have a super good long run car here earlier in the year. Yeah, I think sixteen was. I I meant it was generous for Harvick in that I think he more should be like twenty to one. So I'm saying sixteen oh, okay. was generous. Oh, I miss uh, I misheard you. Yeah, yeah. No, you didn't mishear me. You, it was a uh, misinterpreted. Not even that. I, I wasn't very clear with what I meant. I, I think the books were being generous, giving him 16. I think it should be more like 20. 
uh, or that longer. That makes sense. Even. But uh, no, Tyler Reddick, uh, another one of those guys. Like he's been fine at Darlington, kind of good, but he's not been amazing. He's not Kyle Larson at Darlington. He's not even Ross Chastain at Darlington. You know, so uh, I'm not there on Tyler Reddick at fourteen to one. Uh, I, I certainly understand that this is a type of track where he could excel, but he's only led 12 laps here in his career. Mm-hmm. And 10 of them was, uh, I know I thought he started on the pole that race. He didn't. Um, yeah, yeah. Like highest driver rating in, in eight career starts is one Oh six. That's mm-hmm. typically not what you look for at, at, uh, a, a guy that you're, that's no, I'd rather have Harvick at 16 than Reddick at 14. I would yeah, you rather neither, but I'm saying if I had to pick one, I would pick Harvick right. at 16 versus Reddick at 14. I think there's more value there. I'm trying to pull up pull up Larson's driver rating here quick. Yeah, so he um, went. Earlier this year, actually, this is a fun exercise. Let's do this. Let's go through flags at Darlington earlier this year. So if you just give me one second, I will sort flags at Darlington. Number one driver in flags earlier this year. Take your guess. Kevin Harvick. No. He was. Ross Chastain. Yeah, Ross Chastain was number one. Yeah. He was number one, and I have the total speed ranking pulled up on uh, (laughs) iFantasy Race here. He was number one in that, but uh, Larson was number one in the fourth segment, and Harvick was number two. That's why I guessed Harvick. Yeah, yeah. No, Larson. Larson came in fifth in flags. Certainly he improved throughout the race. Uh, second was Martin Truex Jr. Third was William Byron. Fourth was Kyle Busch. And fifth was Bubba, uh, sorry, Kyle Larson. Sixth was Bubba Wallace. Seventh was Harvick. Eighth was Bell. Ninth was Kozlowski. Tenth was Blaney. Remember this. Blaney was better in flags than Logano. Uh, now, I understand Logano got in that wreck late, but remember, flags is healthy car metric Logano found himself in fourth late in that race but it's not because he was super fast it's because things worked out for him uh so yeah uh you know who is surprisingly good in flags this this is a driver no well yes 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 Stenhouse was (laughs) Stenhouse was 12th in flags Harrison Burton yeah Harrison Burton was 14th in flags Harrison Burton's Interesting. top 10 odds right now. Harrison Burton's top 10 odds right now are I'm scrolling through 8 and a half to 1 at DraftKings. Let me look at Bet365 cuz I know Bet365 had Almarola 9 to 1. Uh I'm curious what they have Harrison Burton. They have Harrison Burton at 16 to 1 for a top 10 finish. And he was 14th in flags earlier this year. Are we hitting that? Might have just found ourselves a bet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking. Let me look at uh, Caesars. NASCAR. Top 10 finish. Seven and a half to one. I think we have to hit 16 on bet 365. So. I agree. 
I'm on yep. I'm on board with this. I like it. Cuz uh also 6th earlier this year like you said and 14th in his very first start here with Wood Brothers. Yeah. No, this is a good track for him. Um I know it's not flattering finishing 20th, but 20th at Homestead was still one of his better finishes last year, and that's maybe the most similar track. Auto Club earlier this year, another high tire wear track, his 15th. So maybe something going on at these higher tire wear tracks uh, for Harrison Burton. He won at Homestead in the Xfinity series, which again is Darlington's most similar track. So I don't think it's super out there in left field to to bet on Harrison Burton to have a solid race. Finished second at Darlington his last year in Xfinity as well in that second Darlington race. So fuck it. Harrison Burton, 16-1, top 10 finish. I am locking that in right now. Me too. Me too. So I have now made two bets on this show. I locked in Larson six to one and Harrison Burton top ten sixteen to one. Oh. We're back. <laughs> it's the old live bet on stacking Denny's. So uh yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. But uh I couldn't believe I was I was very surprised sixteen to one. Uh another one, they have Todd Gilliland at twenty five to one, but I don't think there's value there despite being Yeah, let know. me look at Todd Gilliland's flags earlier this year. It wasn't bad, actually. Uh Gilliland was eleventh in this first race, fifteenth in his very first start. Are we betting Todd Gilliland too? <laughs> so he wasn't as fast as Harrison Burton, but he was still faster than forty percent of cars on an average lap. Uh, which is not bad at all. He was 22nd out of 36 cars, which, again, isn't great. Uh, If we do 22 divided by 36 minus 1, yeah, around 40th percentile, uh, let's say, for Harrison Burton. or Sorry, not Harrison Burton. Todd Gilland. I always confuse those two. Uh, But at 25 to 1, why the fuck not, right? So small bets on Harrison Burton, Todd Gilland for top 10s at, 25 and 16 to one. Yeah, I'm, I'm game with that. And plus there's no Noah Gregson. Although Carson Hosevar is in that car. Uh, what is Carson Hosevar's top 10 odds at bet three, six, five. Let me look at that. Nine to one. No, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing that. Uh, Hosevar and Gregson, I would say are very similar at this track type. This is a very good track for Noah Gregson, but obviously he's not in that car now. Uh, but I think Hosevar is, you know, you can expect similar to, to Noah Gregson. Todd Gilliland outran Michael McDowell in flags earlier this year at Darlington. So I think between Harrison Burton and Todd Gilliland, we have found two bets, two top 10 bets. They're long shots. We're not expecting them to win. That's why they're 16 to one and 25 to one, but they probably should be more like, you know, eight, eight to one, 10 to one, maybe for, for Harrison Burton. I'm just spitballing and maybe like 12, 16 to one, something like that for Todd Gilliland. Yeah. Like I said, like and those are good numbers for for Gill in there. Um, obviously, he's not going to have it on raw speed, but if he can, if he qualifies well and has you know a top twenty car, 
There's not to say that a late caution isn't going to somehow get in his favor and he can get into the top I'm, ten. So. I'm sure you'll know this because uh, you have green flag speed in front of you, but who is the worst driver in flags that is in the playoffs at Darlington earlier this year? McDowell. Nope. Right? Nope. McDowell is ahead Hamlin. of one driver. Nope. Hamlin? Busher. Hamlin, Busher, Busher. Hamlin didn't have a healthy car for all that, uh, or whatever. Oh. It was Chris Busher. Busher. Chris Busher was last yeah. in flags. But finished 10th. Correct. Uh, somehow. But yes, Chris Busher was 30th percentile. How. Yeah, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch that or something if I have time. But uh, no, Hamlin wasn't super good in flags. Uh, I understand he had some issues at, at, at that race, but I've even accounted for those. He wasn't super great. Um, but I still like him at 8.5 to 1, funny enough. But uh, Busher was last among the playoff drivers in flags. Interesting enough, like I said, Ryan Blaney was ahead of Joey Logano here, and Blaney is historically not very good here. But Ryan Blaney was better than Joey Logano in flags by several positions, by six spots. Well, five spots. Hmm. So Blaney was... Uh, Blaney was 10th, and Joey Logano was uh, 15th in flags. So you don't – I know you mentioned this earlier. You think the winner is going to come from the favorites. Do you think there's any chance that we get, you know, a, a, a Eric Jones type of victory here in the Southern 500 again for the second year in a row? I wouldn't say Eric Jones type victory. Um, eighty to one. Well, I mean, it's funny because now he's like he opened like thirty to one or some ridiculousness when they're way worse than they were last year. Uh, so I don't think we'll see an Eric Jones. Like I think the closest to an Eric Jones type victory would be something like a Ricky Stenhouse Jr. winning, um, based off Stenhouse's performance this year and his flags earlier this year at Darlington. But uh, you know, everybody ahead of Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is is a playoff driver. So. I don't really think uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a surprise winner here. Yeah, I couldn't. Eric as Jones was in the perfect he, spot last year because this track is the perfect track for him, and that team was actually really good last year. But this track isn't the perfect track for Ricky Stenhouse. Like, if there was a perfect track for him, it's Bristol. And that team has been better this year. So, like, I could legitimately see, like, betting Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 201 to win Bristol or something like that. Uh, or 80 to 1 even, potentially, just depending on, you know, where, where my model ends up on him and how he's performed. But uh, we don't have that kind of long shot value right now this year uh, at all with a single driver. I mean, who else could it be that that's, you know, a long shot? Maybe maybe an Alex Bowman. I think he's, like, 60 to 1. But even then, no. He hasn't really performed at these this specific track. Uh, Eric Almarola, no. Uh, he gets some top 10 finishes here, but he was you know essentially 50th percentile. He was like average car and flags earlier this year, uh, and that team has been down. He's old. Uh, Daniel Suarez, no. Austin Dillon, no. And then after that, I'm just going down the flags list from earlier this year. Eric Jones, obviously, yeah. you know we like him, but team's been down. Ty Gibbs sandwich between Eric Jones and Todd Gill and like if somebody was going to make a leap it would be Ty Gibbs but he's actually awful here look at Xfinity for him awful here awful at Homestead uh so not a good track type for Ty Gibbs so it doesn't surprise me that Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson were two spots apart in flags earlier this year despite being in vastly different equipment mm-hmm. yeah I just don't it, it's hard for me to see outside of Rex and stuff 
Larson, Truex, Byron, Hamlin. I'm not throwing Chastain in there. And maybe Christopher Bell um, taking home this victory on Sunday. Sunday night because it's uh, Labor Day weekend. Um, anything else Bell, you got? Bell won me over. Bell won me over by finishing fifth last year in this very race when I had him thirteen to one for a top five based <laughs> off of a, an extra zero from one of the sports books, which got to take advantage of those when you can. Oh yeah. Uh, anything else you got here for for Darlington before we get no, to our I picks? No, I think we got I think we got a bet. Uh, um, I think we got a bet. Like I said, Harrison Burton and uh, Todd Gillen top tens, and uh, that's that's about it right now. Mm-hmm. All right. So who is your pick to win? Um. This weekend at Darlington. My pick to win Darlington. This is a tough one, man. Um. I could see this race going to a lot of different drivers. You know, I feel like Kendrick has been slightly slower in recent weeks than earlier this year. Uh, Trix is so hard to go against the way he's been performing right now, uh, which, you know, should elevate Denny Hamlin as well. Obviously, Ross Chastain was fastest in flags earlier this year, but they, that team has been down this race kind of wide open, even among the favorites. So... Really tough, but since I have priority pick this week, uh, I'm gonna go safe and I'm gonna go Martin Truex Jr. Ooh, I figured I figured that was gonna be it. Martin Truex Jr. It's it's uh, yeah. I mean, we haven't talked about him much, but he's the favorite, best average driver rating over the last eight races here at Darlington. Always and and could come out and just absolutely dominate this race. It's not like we haven't seen him just kick everybody's ass here at Darlington before. Um, over those last eight races, he led 682 laps, including 145 in this first race this year. I was wrong. I said that Byron won the poll earlier this year. It was Truex. Truex won the poll earlier this year. Um, three bad races for him in a row, but he can definitely win. Not a bad pick. Don't hate it. I am going to go. I really thought Byron won this poll earlier this year. What the hell was I thinking? Uh, I'm going. I was going to go Byron. But uh, give me Larson. I think Larson probably gets it done out. This year. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. started third. I know. That's wild. Which is good considering he sucks at, at qualifying this year. Um, yeah. I will note, though, my picks to win. I, I had been doing pretty consistent over the year. Plenty of top five finishes. Last five races, I have one top five, and it was Redick at Indy Road Course. Everyone else has finished 18th or worse. So, Larson, I might have just jinxed you, especially after I just put the Jordan jinx on him by betting him live on this show to win. So I'm double didn't jinxing I, him right didn't now. Didn't I spin Daniel Suarez last week? Like, I literally just yeah. random number generated Daniel Suarez. How yep. did he do last week? I forget. 20th. He was 20th last week. Was he in that big one or he was just – Oh, no, he and Ross had a – they, like, made a move partway through that race and then it just kind of flamed out and they sucked. Yeah. It was it was not a lucky spin for me there, but that was not like a serious pick. That was didn't I have what was it one 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 hundredth on Brennan Poole? <laughs> that didn't go well either, man. Dude, honestly, <laughs> Brennan Poole was driving the race. He was driving the race he wanted to drive. He was just hanging back, and then he got a pit road penalty along with Hamlin. So he and Hamlin were tandem drafting. 
uh, to stay in the lead lap, but they got lapped. And right when they got lapped, that big one happened and caught them both. It was like worst case scenario. Uh, but Hamlin's penalty wasn't his fault. That was uh, pit crew over the wall too soon or something. So, you know, not Denny Hamlin's fault there. But uh, so I've got Martin Truex Jr. You have, remind me again, I already forgot. Kyle Larson. Kyle Larson. I like it. Two good picks. Also, I need to I need to mention I was just talking about I've only been limited at one book. I'm I'm limited at Bet 365 now. <laughs> well, it happens. Man. On to the next one. Yep. Just uh gotta keep looking. And yeah. Huh. So much for mashing those top tens for you. Right? Not not that you were gonna like mash them, right? Like the twenty five to one and twelve to one and whatever they are. Um, right. But still value. This would be nice to nice to get a, a chunk down on the sixteen to one, I should say, on Harrison Burton. Sixteen to twenty five for two guys that were top fortieth percentile in flags and, and especially Harrison Burton, man. That was uh that was a hell of a drive earlier this year and he's been good here. I didn't I didn't do my due diligence on Todd Gill and uh like I did Harrison Burton. But uh last year Todd Gillen at Darlington twenty eighth and fifteenth, like you said. Um in the truck series. I'm just looking to finish this. Fourth fourth at Darlington in his second truck series race in 2021 which was of course his last full-time truck series season so yeah i I could see it with uh todd gilland as well and again he came in in front of his teammate in flags michael mcdowell yeah i i uh okay that's weird so i just tried to push it through again and then they accepted it (laughs) okay (laughs) that's funny Huh. Interesting. Hey, not complaining. Bet 365 is no longer on my shit list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the hell they're doing, but uh there you go. Got him in. Yeah, how do you deny how do you deny a bet and then let it in two minutes later? Honestly, uh sometimes it just comes down to who's reviewing. Uh I know they have really? like, specific people on specific shifts and maybe one time you submit it and one person reviews and the next time you submit it somebody else reviews. I have no idea. But that's that's a guess. I'd I'd love to know the processes of that for an online sports I'm, book like that. Yeah, I have I'd, no idea. I I'd couldn't tell you. I've to, never worked behind the scenes on that. That would be I would like you know how you like job shadow stuff in high school. Yeah, that's yeah. one thing I'd love to do. Just go job shadow people at a sports book. Oh man, that'd be awesome. That would be cool. But definitely not job shadow a um like customer service at DraftKings or something because i think that would be a complete nightmare <laughs> yeah don't do that don't job serve that or really be... or really like any customer serve online customer service you know customer service jobs are important but they sound frustrating as hell oh yeah you'd have you have to like just not care about anything you just have to put up with people shitting on you all day every day so but uh, you know i guess they're just used to that at some point yeah all right, that's going to wrap up this episode of Stacking Denny's recorded on a Wednesday night. We uh, 
had to delay it a little bit so I was prepared to talk about the playoffs because last night would not have been good. But Darlington this week, we will talk about Kansas next week, and hopefully maybe we'll have some some exciting stuff happen here at, here at Darlington and really spice up these playoffs even more than we possibly think they will. But good luck for all those that bet. Hopefully you listen to this in time and you can get in on Harrison Burton and Todd Gillen top 10s that we just did. Uh, 16 and 25 to one. And yeah, hopefully one of those or both of those hit. win odds. Not that I think he's going to win. I'm just, I'm looking at them. 150 to one all the way down to 80 to one at no 800 to one at some books. Uh, Oh, 1,500 to one. So he is 2000 to one at circa. Not that I think he's going to win, but I'm just trying to like spitball it. And Harrison Burton's 500 to one to win at Circa. So, like even even books like Circa, I don't think are sharp on him right now. Unlike a Todd Gilliland, for example. So, very interesting. But real quick, one last thought because I'm looking at them. We, we mentioned the favorites. Truex is f- plus 464. Kyle Larson's plus 575 at Circa, uh, and that is a very sharp book. They take a lot of sharp bets. So, um, you know, I think six to one on Larson is very interesting for sure. And then uh, the other favorites are Hamlin and Byron. Byron is plus 875 at Circa. And Denny Hamlin is plus 750. So if you shop around and you're in the right places and things like that, you can get Byron at eight. 0.75 and Denny Hamlin 8.5, which I don't think would be the worst play if you're able to, uh, you know, shop around and travel around, etc. Yeah, I like I like that 8.75. Reddick's nine to one at circa. Really? I think that's a little crazy. I think that's a little crazy considering he's only led 12 laps ever at Darlington. Uh, so I think there maybe I've, I've got to look at circle odds more now. Um, been so NFL brained. I got a. I think I got a deeper dive on Circa this week. But Kyle Busch is fourteen to one at Circa, uh, which twelve is where I see longest elsewhere. I wonder if they got hit with on Reddick because Reddick's fifteen to one on uh, Tipico. Interesting. They must have, but again, I'm still not there on on Tyler Reddick, even just personally. Brad Keselowski's right. thirteen to one at Circa, and Chris Busher's. 20 to 1, which I think is in line. But Kozlowski 13 to 1, that's pretty crazy. Man. Recency bias. But then again, you know, Kozlowski, fourth earlier this year, sixth in stage one, fifth in stage two, seventh last year in the the second race. He led 11 laps. Mm -hmm. He's won here before. But yeah, I I could never bet Kozlowski. I mean, he doesn't even have a single win this year, let alone I can't remember the last time we specifically talked about Keselowski could have won that race yeah I don't know why Ty Gibbs is 40 to 1 he's not good here uh you know I put yeah, Ty I think Gibbs he finished like, 15th I put Ty Gibbs like 60 75 to 1 here just in general like like we talked about earlier he's not he's not been good here in any of the series uh or at Homestead so yeah he has I think he has a second place finish but that's actually unflattering for him almost in a way based off how he ran in the Xfinity series, but uh, he's never been dominant here. He's had a lot of bad finishes. So anyway, I just uh, was thinking about that. And you, you mentioned uh, 
you know, shopping around over there and we were talking about Bet365 and then we were talking about FanDuel didn't have uh, the, the props they normally have. And I was like, wait a minute, it's Wednesday. So Circa will actually have odds up. So, yeah. Interesting stuff from Circa. Uh, I think it's always worth taking their odds with uh, more than a grain of salt because they take very sharp bets. But I think there may end up being some value this week. We just, you know, you got to shop around, got to look. I haven't done my due diligence this week because of NFL, but uh, don't worry. We'll, we'll be there come the end of the week. Yep. Should be a, should be a great race here at Darlington. Darlington always produces some great racing. So see how it all goes. And, yeah, we'll talk to you guys next week when we're talking about Kansas. See ya.